Thanks for listening to the podcast from Jonathan Combs and the preaching team at Eastgate Church in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. Check us out on the web at eastgate.church for more. And now, here's the sermon. Good morning, church. It's good to see all of you this morning. I'm so thankful to be with you, so thankful to be in the Word of God again today with you. We're finishing up the book of Romans together. We've only got a handful left to close the chapter on a one of the one of the most influential doctrinal kind of books in, in, in the whole Bible for sure, but certainly in the New Testament. And today we're we're starting chapter 15 of Romans. And we've titled this sermon Living in Harmony. Living in Harmony. And that's something we have to admit is not something we see regularly in our lives. And it's certainly something that isn't even that common even among believers. Not even that common necessarily in the church, although it should be. And that's the thing that Paul is really wrestling with here. Is he's hearing, he's not even been to the church of Rome yet, but he's hearing divisions. He's hearing disunifying things among, especially among the Jews and the Gentiles, and, and things that they hold as uh, essential, but things that are actually disputable matters. And they're, they're, this is what we dealt with all through chapter 14 is this sense that some things are really important. But there's a lot of things we argue about that really don't matter very much. And so living in harmony is something we don't see a lot of. And we really need to get a good glimpse of it, a good picture of it. And God's word, I think, is going to help us a great deal today. We titled it Living in Harmony based on a specific verse that we're going to read just in a moment. But this word harmony, as we're using it today, is really this idea of unity. But it's bigger than that. It's it's this idea of of. In harmony, in music, for instance, harmony is this idea that you're not necessarily singing in unison. You're singing different parts that go well together. And that's I'm glad that the, the Bible chose this word harmony here in, in our scripture today because that's really what God intends. Is He doesn't want uniformity. <laughs> he wants unity. There's a big difference. He doesn't, he doesn't even want us to look the same. He doesn't want us to think the same. If He did, He'd have done that. There's a reason that some of you in this room are extroverts. Some of us are introverts. And it's funny, a lot of times he puts those people together in life because God's got a sense of humor. It, he, he likes to make people that are polar opposites often come together in marriage. But inside of this room, there's a, such a variety of different personalities and different passions and different things that you want to do with career. There's different shades of skin. There's all kinds of, there's variety in, in how we think. There's such variety, and God did that on purpose. It's not an accident. And He wants unity. He wants harmony. Harmony is a beautiful thing. I think we came close to that just now a little bit, Randy. I was feeling some moments there like, man, we were hitting a three-parter there for a second. And, and some of you grew up in churches that had eight-part harmonies. If they do it right, boy, it'll like blow your, like your heart feels like it's going to explode. Uh, and I, I used to love in choir and stuff when we would get those really big, elaborate harmonies. Boy, it feels intense. It feels like you've played the whole keyboard at one time. And that's what God's doing in His church. At least it's what He's intended. So living in harmony is that idea. And it should give you goosebumps, just like music can do. I wonder, is, is, are you living in harmony today? Maybe for, for a lot of you, you've got to take this much more personal. Maybe there's disharmony in your home. Maybe that's the place to start. I, I'm convinced it's really hard to have harmony among the church, um, among your coworkers, outside of your house, if you don't have harmony in your house. 
It's really hard to do outside of that place. That's why, unfortunately, you see a lot of ministries fail simply because the leader or or a group of leaders cannot have harmony in their own homes. And so you see these explosive failures among pastors and and, and staffers. And this happens in the corporate world. It happens all over when you can't seem to find harmony at home. It affects you everywhere. And when the body of Christ doesn't have harmony, it affects its persona. People look in and go, well, I want no part of that. Because I can get that in my workplace. I've already got coworkers that can't stand each other. You'd much rather on your own time coming to church. You're not getting paid to do this, right? You're coming here because you're hoping not only to see Christ, but also to experience authentic fellowship which He has promised. And it should be happening. Living in harmony is a lot bigger than that. And I know everywhere you look, the news, social media, everywhere you look, you'll see a lot of people fighting. In fact, I've noticed I'm having a harder and harder time watching the news because I feel like they just bring people on there so that they can yell at the same time. And I can't really pay attention to that. I have a really hard time when people are talking over each other. It's just not good communication. And so that's what we see so much of. I wonder, are we seeing that in our church? I don't think so, but then again, I don't know all, all that's going on. We have small groups that meet on different nights than mine. We have people that interact outside of my purview. And I'm just trusting Christ that we're getting along. (laughs) But I don't know. But I know this. He wants more for us. Even if we're getting along pretty good, He wants to make a sweet, sweet chorus for the world to see. And we're not there yet. I know that much because we haven't been taken home yet, so He's not done with us yet. We've got some more work to do to really be the harmonizing church of God. And I can't wait. And we're in the book of Romans 15 today, and I believe what we're seeing here is Paul, this is really a prayer more than anything else. This is Paul praying that God would grant these believers to live in harmony with one another in Christ Jesus to the glory of God. It's a wonderful thing. And we can do this. We can live in harmony with one another. And I believe we're going to see really clear four reasons why we can live in harmony. So let's get together. Romans chapter 15, verse 1. It says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. And in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy as it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with His people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let the peoples extol Him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come. Even he who rises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. 
May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. God bless the reading of His Word. Amen. He's charging us to live in harmony. And He's got several reasons for that. Reasons that we can do this. Reasons that in Christ Jesus we can live in harmony. The first seems pretty clear to me, and that is that we would seek the good of others before ourselves. Seek the good of others before ourselves. He says some things in verses 1-3 through three that I have to admit kind of turn it kind of made my radar go up and made me go okay wait a minute god you normally don't talk like this <laughs> this isn't normally how you speak to me because there's a lot of other passages i could talk about that talk about pleasing people and they're almost always negative so it's very interesting here that he says to the strong who he he includes himself in he says we the strong have an obligation that means we must do this to, to, to bear with the failings of the weak. Now, uh, most of us in the room are probably going to want to join Paul with the strong. We don't want to be called weak if we have even a drop of American blood in us. We don't want to be called weak, right? But I want you to understand something. That's not what Paul's talking about. He's not talking about physical power. He's not talking about your mental acumen. That He's not talking about you being smart or stupid. It's not that. It's rather where you are in your faith journey. That for a lot of us in the room, we've got a lot left to learn about the faith. I know that I do. I'm hesitant to call myself strong. I, I, I resist that temptation. If Paul is including himself in the strong, I'm not there yet. And so, what is the failings of the weak then? And what are the strong? So this is going back to chapter 14. The weak, the idea of weakness here is is not fully understanding the freedom that you have in Christ. That there are certain things we wrestle with that we're not sure yet. We have various convictions about things. And I'm convinced of this. There is an absolute truth out there. That God has a perfect plan. He has a perfect intention. And we're jumping all around it. As believers, we're doing our very best if we're following Christ to really find His perfect will. But on this journey, we have to admit, there's things we're not sure about. Am I free? Am I free to drink? Am, am, I, am I free uh, to worship in this way or that? Am I, am I free to eat this or that? Am I free to celebrate these days or these days? There's, there's a lot of questions that the longer you're in the faith, you begin to ask these. Should we even as a church be doing trunk or treat? Like there's a lot of churches in our city that are baffled that we would do anything on Halloween night. I have a different feeling on that. And I pray that it's a strong side argument. <laughs> that in fact God would want to redeem the night. That in fact He would want to use, because guess what people are? People outside of the faith, they don't care about these arguments. What they do care about is, where can we find a safe place for our kids to go trick-or-treating? And you know what I want? I want them to come to Christ. I want desperately that they would hear the gospel tomorrow night. And so if they show up here, that's me making a choice that I believe is righteous. But if I'm bearing with the failings of the weak, I'm not going to judge those who judge me. <laughs> I'm going to say, you know what? I hold this conviction loosely. Instead, my friend, I want to work with you. <laughs> maybe we can't do trunk or treat together, okay? But maybe we can do something else. That's a different way of thinking that a lot of people in general don't have, but certainly not believers. He's saying those who are strong, bear with them. 
That means is don't constantly cross the line around them. Instead, do this crazy word, please. And he didn't mistake. This wasn't an accident. It's not like he made a little pen mistake. Because first of all, I have a problem with us even saying that about the Word of God, that there's some kind of jot or tittle wrong, right? That some kind of period is off. No, in fact, he says please three times and he puts it in imperative language. This is a command. He says, please. This is the idea of be agreeable. Be accommodating. Now, I love John Stott when writing on this. He says, I want to make a, a, a differentiation. This is what he calls neighbor-pleasing rather than men-pleasing. Because every time the Bible talks about being interested in pleasing man, that means you're not interested in pleasing God. You can't do both. But here it's the sense of pleasing one's neighbor. And it, he, Paul is careful. Notice what he says in verse 2. He says, for his good and to build him up. Now we have to admit something. When we're trying to please people, is it for their good or for our good? That's a really important thing that Paul has said here because I think when we're trying to get along with everybody and trying to be pleasing to everybody, it's so that we look good. And so we don't create any havoc. And I don't want to be a problem. But if we're interested in their good, the perspective changes. Because sometimes what's best for my neighbor, for my friend, is actually to tell them the loving truth. And to say, my friend, if you stay on that course, it's not going to be a good road. That Where that leads is going to hurt you. It's going to harm you. And I love you too much to see you do that. A man pleaser would never say that. He'd say, hey man, you live your life. We would say, just like the rest of the culture, you be you, you, you be whatever you think you should be. And that's what the culture is constantly spinning our way, saying, you know what? <laughs> However you popped out of the womb, that's what you should do. But I've noticed something. Every one of my kids popped out sinful. They just they came out that way. And they want to do really bad stuff. They just And, and they, they want, if they had their way, they would eat chocolate all day and they would die early. They'd get rotten teeth and a stomach ache. So I love them too much. I love them too much to let them do that. But if I was a man pleaser, and some of us parents are, we just let our kids do whatever they want. Don't come to me when they're 18 going, what do I do? Wow. Well, you should have done something for 18 years. Um, but now let's see if we can do the emergency room. It's going to be hard. God's not done. I, I don't say that piece. It's not even in my notes, all right? I don't know where that came from, but I don't say that to say lose hope. However, the work should be done from day one. If you, care, if you really care about people, you'll seek their good and not your own. You won't do what's easy. You'll do what's right. Whereas men-pleasing is always about seeking their approval for your own good. I've noticed something. There's a big difference. There's a big difference between being good to people for your good and being good to people for their good. I've noticed it in my own spirit. Like when, when I'm really good to people because I just don't want to be a problem, it's not genuine. And, and I feel like if they knew me at all, they could tell. Like if they knew me even slightly, they would know, oh, he's just being pastorly. He has no interest in me. And sadly enough, that's me sometimes. I just know I'm supposed to be good to people, so I am but it's not because I care. But when I care, it makes, me, it makes me cry with a friend. It makes me put my arm around them. It makes me have compassion. Something I used to wrestle with. I used to I really ask God, like, why have you called me to the pastorate when it seems like I have no empathy? 
I have no compassion. And the problem was, I didn't really, first of all, I hadn't experienced a lot. (laughs) That helps. You start having pains of your own and God starts to break down your own heart. That helps. That helps. But also, I really wasn't caring about people. I just cared what they thought of me. And there's a big difference. It's a huge difference. This is why I think this time of of year, especially right now, I I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to mid-November so that my TV will not show me the same ads all the time for every other person that I'm not going to vote for. Just please, give me a break. And they all tell me the same thing, and they're all telling you the same thing. They're telling you what you want to hear. And I have no idea if they're truthful. I'd have to meet these people and really find out. But here's what I've noticed. I'm much more likely to put my to cast my lot in. I'm much more likely to put my vote in when I find out this person has really gone through something. Like if they're if they keep telling me, you know, I'm gonna cut down on crime, and the reason being because I've I've seen awful things in my life. I, I I've I've had tremendous Awful things happen in my life as, as a police officer or something else. And when that person says, I'm running for office and I'm going to fix this because I can't take it anymore, I'm going to vote for that guy. I'm like, okay, I feel, your, I feel where you're at. Rather than you just constantly telling me, yeah, we're going we're gonna to fix the economy. Yeah, we're going to make your life better. How and why? Often they never give you the why. But the why is so important. And the why for us as believers, we seek the good of others. Because of verse 3. Because look who we have. We have Christ Jesus who didn't come to please Himself. He's not only our Savior, He's our model. And we're called to be like Him. Galatians 1.10 reminds us of something. I am, I, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Get this thing in perspective. We're not pleasing people for, the, for our own good. We're pleasing people because we love Jesus. And we want desperately that people would come to salvation. We want so much that our family members, our co-workers, those people we spend so much time with that are far from God, we want them to hear Jesus. And it's hard to hear through all the noise. If you're constantly unaccommodating, unagreeable, you're a difficult witness. And that's not a great witness, my friend. Build him up instead. Do what is good for him. We had this word last week, build him up. It's edification. It's like putting the roof on a house. Because why? Because Christ became the reproach. (laughs) This word, this is an interesting phrase. You'll notice in these verses that we're sharing, Paul has done a lot of work in going and looking back. He taught, he's got several Psalms that he's citing here. He's citing the book of Isaiah here. He's really putting this thing in in the Bible and making us very aware that this news that he's talking about here has been consistent throughout the work of God, throughout the Word of God. And this idea of being a reproach, this is Jesus, Paul putting in in Jesus' frame here that he became the reproach when, when we... As humanity said, you know, we, we can't stand you, God. We're, we're going to run from you, God. That Jesus became that reproach. And not only that, He became our reproach. It's like a double synonym here that Jesus is, God has every right to judge us, and yet Jesus has become that reproach on our behalf. It's an amazing thing, which makes Him the perfect mediator. That when we have made mistakes before God, Jesus steps in and says, I've taken that reproach. God doesn't have to be mad anymore. And then when God looks down and says, these people are unjust and here's the wrath, Jesus says, I am that reproach. He's the perfect mediator. And that should remind us 
of who we should be to others. Please them, not ourselves. Psalm 69 says, Zeal for your house has consumed me, for the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. This is what Jesus has become for us. So whose good do you seek? Do you seek the good of your neighbor? Paul writes to the Corinthians in chapter 10 of of 1 Corinthians, he says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. I'm going to think very carefully then about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Is it for my good? Is, Is it for theirs? Look, God's going to take care of me. This isn't the message to go, okay, well, you need to starve yourself and you need to stop sleeping and you need to stop working. Don't worry about you. No, absolutely don't worry about you. But at the same time, God's going to take care of all your needs. You keep working hard. You keep doing what's right. But when you think about other people, think about how to bear witness and be a better servant of Christ. Here's the second reason he gives. Seek others good over your own and then worship with one voice for God's glory. Worship with one voice for God's glory. Really, this is the aspect of the sermon that we got the title from. This idea of being in harmony. I love what he says in verse 6. He says, with one voice glorify. That's what harmony really is. That We get in a room like this, and if we could mic all of you, we'd find out some of you are atonal, but praise God. That's okay. Not everybody was given the gift of singing. We were all given the gift of praising, though. We were all given the gift of worship, and we're going to worship something. <laughs> no matter who is in the, is in the city, in, is, is in the world right now, everybody is excellent at worshiping. Just some of us know what to worship and what's perfect worship. And, and so we worship with one voice, and what God is pleased by is that we lift all of our voices as one, that they are a variety of different, different goodness, and he loves them all. If he wanted us to all be perfect singers, he'd have done that too. He just wants to know about obedience. He wants to know, are you his or not? Worship with one voice. And then Paul writes something that I'll admit it caught me this week. And, and it's in verse 4. It's something that I know to be true, but I haven't always considered why it's true. Notice what he says. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. This means Paul is saying, guess what, believer? Guess what, Christian? The Old Testament's for you. It's written for your instruction, for your encouragement, for your endurance, for your hope. I've heard this over the years from many believers. I really like the New Testament. I like the New Covenant. Why are we back there? What are we doing back there? It seems like a different God back there. It's not. God is unchanging. He's immutable. It's the only thing that's changed here is we have the Savior, the Messiah has come the one who'd been forecast from Genesis on. And so those words, when we get back in the book of Joshua, when we get back in the book of Deuteronomy, they're for our instruction, our encouragement, and our endurance. And we need to see Christ in every page. We need to see what God's doing on every page because He's uniquely working in us. That was good news to me again today because I really do, as a pastor, try to. I, I would like in my lifetime to preach the totality of the Word. I hope I can get there. There's some hard ones in here, y'all. There's some ones in here. I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant. Levit- Leviticus is going to be a, a, a task. I might have to preach it in bites, but there's some hard ones in here, and I'd like very much to, to honor God with that, that I would preach the totality of His Word. Worship with one voice. 
Endurance, encouragement. Endurance here is this idea that we're being taught patience and, and consistency in the Word of God. I know this to be true, that when I spend time in His Word, when I spend time with Him in devotion, I have a tendency to be much more consistent in my life. I have a tendency to be much more patient with people. When I spend time with Him and His Word, I've also noticed I have this encouragement that things that would normally totally wreck my life, I can get through them. I'm able to stay steady through some deep valleys. This word encouragement is the word paraklesis. It's the same word that's used for the Holy Spirit, paraclete. It's the idea that we would be given comfort through the Word of God. Now, there's a lot of, this isn't necessarily the point here, but, but, but something of note, the Word of God is for your strength and for your encouragement. If you're not in it and you're feeling discouraged, you're missing something. You're missing a valuable moment in your life every day with the Heavenly Father that God has written a love note to you and you're feeling discouraged. There's a way out. And it starts with time with Him. It starts with being in His Word and spending time with Him and asking Him these very things. Okay, God, I haven't gotten a lot out of this in my life, but I would very much like hope and endurance and encouragement. Can you show me today and watch Him show up? Watch Him show up. And then he goes on here in verse 5 to say, Then live in harmony in accord with Christ Jesus. The idea of accord here is this idea of going downstream. I love this word. It's the idea that our harmony in the body of Christ flows downstream from the head. The Bible talks consistently about how Jesus Christ is the head of His church. He's the head of the body. And that as we live in harmony, it comes from the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It comes from the outpouring of Jesus Christ. So we're not going to do this well. We're not going to live in harmony well as a church if we're not in unity and following Christ Jesus together. But when we as a group make Him the head, watch what He can do. When we as a group decide as a church, you know what? My opinion is less valuable than His. When we decide as a church that what I want to be like is not whatever I think I should do or what the world tells me, but what Christ has told me to be, He will show up in a mighty way in our church. We've got to put Him up top. We're really trying to do that as a church, but it takes every person to make the decision to be in harmony together and say Christ is the head. Christ is the head. And then we worship with one voice. Romans 15 says, in verses 5 and 6 in the NIV, it says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That word, one voice, is so loaded. It's this word that really means one passion. It's, a, it's actually a word that has to do with heat. I love the, when I was just digging into this word this week, the, the Strong's Concordance, <laughs> that, that big book that some of you have on your shelves, and you're like, I don't know what that thing's for. That big old honking book, it said the image, he wrote this, the image is almost musical. A number of notes are sounded which, while different, harmonize in pitch and tone as the instruments of a great concert under the direction of a concert master. The Holy Spirit then blends together the lives of the members of Christ's church. That's what he wants us to be. This humongous chord that's playing for all the world to see. That sounds beautiful. And that people want to be a part of. What people really want is belonging. They want to know they matter. They want to know they're a part of something. And the church should be that. 
that we're playing this wonderful note, group of notes that sounds, the love of Christ to them. Christ's last prayer was just like this. In John 17, he says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I don't know if you caught it. Oneness is his prayer. Harmony is his concept. Worshiping together in harmony is wonderful. The psalmist writes in 133, how wonderful and pleasant is it when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head and ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. And Jesus is that to us now. That anointing, that type that Aaron was to us is a Christological type. Now that oil pours down. That idea of downstream, it comes from the head. Now to us, we live in harmony with Him. Here's the third reason. And it's the second imperative. Welcome one another as Christ welcomed us. Welcome one another as Christ welcomed us. This one you would think is obvious. It's, it's almost sad that we have to put this in command language. But we're not welcoming to everybody. Our natural bent is to be unwelcome to a lot of people. And yet, when we open these doors, we try our very hardest to make every feel, everyone feel welcome as they walk in. But that's one day a week. What about when you're sitting behind whatever desk you're working at tomorrow or wherever you're working at tomorrow? Are you welcoming to those people? I, this past week, I think it was this past week. It was recently I went, I forgot... To, to do the DMV thing online. I've done this well for years. I go in and get my car inspected. That way I can get my tags online. That way, by God's grace, I wouldn't have to go to the DMV, y'all. But I forgot. I was late. And I got there. They opened at 9. I got there at 8.50. And the line was out the door. I'm like, man, I thought. I'm I just thinking people in general are late to everything. But guess what? They're not late to the DMV. That junk blows my mind. So I got way in the back of the line. And that's okay. I'm going to be patient. We're going to work this out. I kind of had a feeling this could happen to me. But the thing that I was surprised by all over again is those three ladies sitting behind the booth and how miserable they looked. They just opened and they looked miserable. And maybe it's because they know the day that they're about to face because it's the same day they face every day. And they're snappy with everybody. They're sharp with everybody. If you've worked at the DMV before, God love you. I understand. I'm not belittling you. But I'm thinking about that. Because I'm working on this sermon. And I'm like, I know it must be hard. Some of us work in jobs. Some of us work around people. That Boy, you get tired of them. And boy, is it hard to work with people. And so you, you tend to get jaded. Some of y'all, I know, I know what y'all do in life. I understand why you've gotten jaded. Some of you see the worst in people all the time. I'm not exactly like you, but I got news for you. People don't make appointments to have counseling with me when they're doing good. Never happens. They don't. I, Pastor, we, really like, we would really like marital counseling. When I get that, I know it's almost over. They're hoping I'm a miracle. Sometimes God works. Other times... They should have come to the physician a lot earlier. 
Welcome one another. I don't know what you do in life, my friend, but I wonder, are you welcoming? Because this is a command. And the reason it's given is because Christ welcomed you. Can you imagine? Just, just imagine yourself in his shoes for a moment. How is that possible that he would welcome us? You think working at the DMV is bad? Imagine these people. Imagine yourself far from God and messed up. And, 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 and at times, raising your fist to him and saying, I cannot stand your plan. I will do what I want. I will do what I will. And we've done that for millennia. And said, God, we don't like you. We don't like your plan. And he welcomed us anyway. That he would create us in the first place. If he has, if you believe in the same way that I believe in God, that he has omniscience and forethought and he has very, very perfect knowledge that he would still create a people that would do that. And he did it anyway. That's an interesting thing. That blows my mind. So if that's who God is to me, if that's who Christ is to me, and more than that, not only did he say, you know what, I'm welcoming you back in the house, I'm going to pay your debt. I'm going to so welcome you. We've come knocking at the doors saying, God, let us in. And, and at, at face value, he should not. But in Christ Jesus, he's already paid the toll. He's already paid the debt so that we can knock and come in. And he's asked us likewise, will you welcome others? Welcome certainly the weak in the faith. But more than that, be approachable. That Boy, that stabs me this week because I... Y'all know me. If you ever see me outside of this place, it's not that I don't love you. It's that I'm always on a mission. And I'm really, I'm telling you, God is doing some things in my life lately to just try to yank those blinders off. I'm walking around trying to just see people lately. And it's dangerous because people see me back and they want to talk. I don't know. I have the face of come talk to me or come ask me for money. I don't know what that is. Do I look wealthy? I don't know. Maybe it's the hair. I don't know. I'm not. They come and I'm just trying to see people. Is that crazy? Like just because used to what I do, and, and let's use Lowe's for example, like because I love that place. I'm in there a lot. I come in there and I'm marching. I got my head down. I know I'm going to, I know exactly where I'm going, right? And I'm not going to see, I'm not even going to talk to the customer service people. Like I'm, I'm going to go through self-checkout because I am fast. And I'm faster than any of these other people in here and I got work to do. So I'm in, I'm out, I'm home, I'm working, I'm here, I'm working. And then at the end of the day, I'm like, I really didn't talk to anybody other than my wife today and my kids. It's because I've lived my life with blinders. God says, be approachable, be welcoming. Romans 14 says, as for the one who is weak in his faith, welcome him, but not to quarrels over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And not, let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. So let's welcome the strangers. Let's welcome them in Christ Jesus. Matthew 25, he says this, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you? And the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Welcome, welcome. Here's the last reason. Serve together. 
Seek the goodness. Seek the good of others. Welcome them. Be pleasing and then serve. Be worshipful together and then serve. Serve together as one people with the same hope. This last section of Scripture is like a great hallelujah today. 8 through, eight, eight through 13. Jesus or Paul, Paul through, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is reminding us of some things. We've been made one. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your history. Some of you have come into this place today, and at one point in time you told somebody, you know what, I'm scared to walk into that building. I might get struck down. Because you thought at one point in your life that, man, I'm so far from God, how could He ever welcome me back? But to those people, we see exactly what's written here. Praise and adoration and extolling. Why? Because Christ has welcomed us all. No matter our past, no matter our heritage, no matter our genetics, no matter any of that, Christ has said, come on in. Because I've paid the price. That's really great news. And he's breaking down all these barriers. That's what the, sh the church really should be about. A place where people who shouldn't normally get along, get along. Because they're, the, they're, they're, they're worshiping Christ together. Serve together as one people. He says in verse 8 that Jesus became a servant first to the circumcised. Paul uses that term to describe the Jews. This is, this is who they are. This is, they're circumcised on the eighth day. And so he's saying, first of all, he was a servant to them. And not only that, he confirmed the promises to the patriarchs. This word patriarchs is the idea of fathers. So those who came before, Paul is continuing to put this deep into Scripture. He's saying, you know the promises that were made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? You know the promises that were made to Joshua and David and the prophets? You know those promises? Jesus has confirmed them. He confirmed some 300 or more. I mean, we've, we'll talk about this more when Christmas comes around because I love to talk about the idea of how the Messiah, how is it possible that one person would be born and do all of these things unless he was God, unless he was the Messiah, and indeed he is. And he confirmed all of those promises to his people. And more than that, something wild happened. He included the ethnos. The word here for Gentiles is Ethnos, it's where we get the word ethnic. It literally means the nations. When you read your Old Testament, you'll notice again and again that God is for His people and He's taking care of His people. And the plan really that the people didn't do so well was that Jerusalem would be this place that would draw the nations in. It was supposed to be this centripetal force that was bringing the nations in that they would experience God. And it happened a little bit, but not even close to what God intended. God always intended to reach the nations. And now, through Jesus Christ, He's done it. This is why all of these verses of Scripture have also been confirmed to us who are outside of the Jewish faith. It says here, I will praise you among the Gentiles. It says again, rejoice, O Gentiles. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. The root of Jesse, even though He's going to rule, it will give us hope. This is praise and and sing and rejoice and extol. This is the reaction of the nations to salvation. Something that we could not have seen, could not have imagined. Our, our, if we could go back in our family tree, these people were far, far from God. Unless we had Jewish history, these people were far from the true God. And yet He has given each and every one of us salvation. What a wonderful thing. And so now what do we do with that? What is Paul calling us to? By the power of the Holy Spirit, he's calling us to be the same in Christ Jesus. That we would have unity. 
That we, would, that we would have harmony using our different gifts, using our different backgrounds. Look, he's not saying, hey, now, Jewish people, stop acting so Jewish. Hey, Greeks and Gentiles, the nations, you guys need to act more Jewish. None of that's being said. Instead, I want you guys to come together and play this glorious note. This harmonizing voice for God. We're uniquely shaped. We're uniquely shaped. We have unique stories. I know very well there's people that you can reach that I can't because of your story. Because you hurt the same way they hurt. And because of that, God can use you. And I hurt different than you, or, or I've got an experience, or perhaps God just straight up shaped me a little different. I am a little different than y'all. I think weird stuff sometimes. So do you. We're all... I used to think, you know what, there's some quirky people in the world. And then I realized, you know what, we're just all quirky people. God just made us all unique and he's got a wonderful plan. This is why he has scriptures like this. 1 Corinthians 12. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. That's the question then. Is God doing the work in each and every one of us in different ways, but the same God? When we serve together in harmony, the Lord's name is absolutely made known. How do we know if we're doing this right? Because Christ's name is being made known. He's getting the glory and the, his, his, his gospel is going out. That's how we know we're doing it. That's the great check. Psalm 102 says, The name of the Lord will be made known in Zion and His praise in Jerusalem when the people gather together and the nations gather to serve the Lord. Now I want to close with this idea because some of you are joining us tomorrow and if you're not doing anything tomorrow night, tomorrow night's Halloween. Whoop-de-doo. We're doing something here and it's not, it's not going to be pretty. Let's, I'm going to go ahead and put that out there. It's not going to be pretty because our parking lot is a wreck. And some of the leaders are already getting heartaches about it and heartburn about it. Who, who cares? God knew. He's not surprised. We are. But He knew our parking lot was going to be a little messed up. We're going to do trunk or treat out here tomorrow night. We're going to, some of us are going to be dressed up in costumes. Some of us are going to be serving hot cocoa. I'm going to be wearing a shirt that says, How can I pray for you? And walking around and bugging everybody. And if you know me at all, I don't like that. I, I don't. But I know what God's called me to do. I want so badly for there to be a gospel conversation tomorrow night. I'm more interested in actually talking to people about Jesus than just handing them candy. I'm happy to hand them candy. Don't get me wrong. I love kids. I love people. But I know what's better for them than, than sugar. So that's what I'm doing. And we've invited another church in. A church that I don't think any of you really know. I'm just getting to know them. Presence Church, just down the street, about two miles in Sharpsburg. They don't worship quite like us. You should check them out on Facebook. They look a lot different than us. They worship a lot different than us. But here's what I know. We both love Jesus. And I think very, they're just like me and wanting to reach the city with the gospel. And you know what? That's all I need. That's all I need. Can we do that piece together? So they're coming out here tomorrow. I have no idea what that's going to look like. They're bringing games. I don't know what games they're bringing. They're serving hot dogs. I don't know how they're cooking it. I'm scared. Like, I don't have all the plans. And I'm a, I'm a, I can be OCD at times. I don't have all the plans. But I'm coming, and we've got people. And 
I want to see if we're going to do things like this, if we're going to collaborate together. You know what I'm going to do tomorrow night? I've got a card, and on this card, it may even be here. I should have brought one up here, but on this card it says you're invited. And on the back side, it has both of our churches. You know what our church did? We paid for it. We paid for it. Why? Because I just want to see these people in fellowship. Here, there, somewhere else, just get in fellowship with believers. I don't care. Great. If God wants to, if He wants to grow His church from things like this here, great. But He's growing His big C church. That's all I want to see. That's all I want to see. And so I'm going to be, I already told DeMonte, Pastor DeMonte Daniels at Presence Church, I already told him, brother, if I hear that 10, 20 people come to your church next Sunday, I'm going to be praising Jesus. Like, we're going to have over 500 people descend on our parking lot tomorrow night. It's crazy. And we're going to serve them to His glory. Why? Because we serve together in harmony. Because that's what we're trying to do. That people would see that Christ loves them. And they would have life change. Let's do that together. Let's do those kinds of things together. That's what church is going to look like here. That's the direction we're heading. If you want to stay with that, then stay on board. If you're scared of where that's going to lead, stay on board anyway. If you're totally against it, we're not for you. That's okay too. I'm not going to love you any less, nor does Jesus. But that's where we're heading. Let's seek the good of others. Let's worship with one voice. Let's welcome one another and serve together in Christ Jesus. Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. You're a God who first welcomed us. That I know myself well enough to know this, God. I was far from you. I've run from you. Even as a believer, I've run from you so many times, and yet you keep opening the door again. That when I wake up tomorrow morning and the next day, I'm still able to come into the Holy of Holies in prayer and see you there. And that blows my mind. That God, you love me that much. That, that no matter how broken I am, no matter how many mistakes I've made, no matter what I've been, you continue to open the door. I'm, I'm, all I can say is I love you for that, God. I praise you for that. Thank you for who you are to us. That everything you've called us to today, you did first. You didn't seek to please yourself, but rather became a, a, an insult so that we could be free. So that we could be free. So that we could have salvation. You became an insult. God, that you welcomed us first and that we can welcome others. In the book of John, 1 John, it says you loved us first and that's why we can love. So thankful for who you are to us, God. And I'm asking, would you do this in your church? Would you do this in your church right here? That we would first in this room have harmony. I don't know. There's probably people right now that have some, some problems with each other in this room. God, I pray you would tear down those walls today. We want to be in harmony with one another. We want to play this wonderful gospel note to the world around us. Would you restore whatever relationships are broken in this room? If it's between me and someone else, would you heal that today? If it's between someone else in the room, would you, would you bring that to mind right now that we would solve it? We would heal that today? Maybe there's some people that need to have lunch today and just air a few things out. God, would you make us have harmony again? Give us unity in this place. I pray that you would bring more people in here because we're that kind of church that's welcoming, that's clearly in love with Christ Jesus. Would you do that in us? God, I recognize maybe someone showed up today and they're kind of on the other side of this whole thing trying to understand what this church thing is all about and they would really like to respond to the love of Christ. If that's you today, and you're hearing the gospel clearly today. 
You're feeling the Lord leading you to repentance. The the steps are are somewhat simple, but they're life-changing. By faith, you can be saved. And what we do every week is we pray a salvation prayer together. And if, if, if you're desiring to follow Christ today for the first time, or maybe get your life back in order with Him today, pray along with me what, it, what Paul writes in Romans chapter 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. We believe that wholeheartedly. It's by faith that God is moved. <laughs> And then we start a new, a whole new life with Him. And that's where the rubber really meets the road there. And so God, I'm praying, would you lead that person? If that's you today, pray right along with me this prayer. Jesus, I believe, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, my brokenness, my shame, my guilt. I, I, I recognize, Lord Jesus, that I've been trying to live my life on my own. I've been trying to do things in my own strength and my own power, and it's leading me in the wrong direction. I want to be, I want to be going where you want me to be going, God. Lord Jesus, I, I want to know what you have planned for me. And I'm receiving that now. Salvation in Christ Jesus. I believe you died for me. And God, I believe that you rose, that you raised Jesus from the dead. And that gives me such hope now, knowing that not only am I free from the burden of sin, but also I'm free from the danger of eternal separation from God. Death is no longer something I'm going to be afraid of. Lord Jesus, thank you for that today. And I'm asking now, would you guide me? Help me to be a welcoming person. Help me to be pleasing. Help me to serve with others. Lord, would you do a work in me? Dear friend, if you prayed that, welcome to the family of God. We're praying the same prayer with you. God, would you make me a person who, who shares the gospel well, first by my attitude that I'm pleasing and welcoming to others, and also, God, that you would use me and speak through me. God, take this church and mold it and make it what you desire it to be, that we would play a sweet, sweet song to this city and reach the lost here. Thousands of people in this city, God, don't know you. Thousands. God, would you stir in their hearts and use us in it. We love you. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.